Gavin's best friend, not Gavin, took on a the big brother role, the, the, wow, that was a really bad sentence. My hello there. Welcome to yet another weekly episode of The Shit Show. Well, that's going to make it a tough one to advertise. None of those social medias are going to like cursing in the first two seconds of the show. Well, I say fuck censorship. And if you're watching or listening to this, you should absolutely be old enough to hear bad words, regardless. So, and if you're not, then you should probably tune out now because it gets a lot worse than this. I also don't need to like bleep my YouTube, but I just find the mystery of what bad word I'm saying so much funnier than what I'm actually saying. I just think that it would be grating in a podcast to have a bleeping happening in your ears, but I think that on a video with the little sensor blip over my mouth and the bleep, it's really funny. And if you don't think it's funny, honestly, I don't really care. Then you don't understand me. I got to go to San Diego this weekend to see Vander, and it was fantastic, and it was a great time with absolutely amazing people. And I cannot wait to be back out in that city. The girls really know how to girl out there in Gal City, USA. You know what I mean? It was really great though, and I love doing my makeup and turning a look. Uh, do obviously, but doing it in public, I also like to do, and that was very refreshing. So it was like a little shot of Liesel's potion. That famous heat is beginning to sit its oppressive gooch upon the Coachella Valley, and the sun has moved right up against us, and it's happening, and the time has come. Which is another reason that I moved from the other studio, because the AC is just better in here. Physics, I guess? I don't know. Whatever. It is. It's that time of year again where the pool heats up enough to swim in, but you gotta get your ass in the pool within like a two week period because it's about to go from like warm enough to swim in to too hot to swim in and it feels like a piss bath, which you might be into, but not I, so no thank you. However, some people have uh, pool um, coolers, which <gasps> it was hard enough for me to find the pool heater. So a pool cooler was definitely not on the list of things that I want or need. And I just won't do it. It's one of those things that's just too dumb for me to do. I understand that I live in the desert. I'm the one that moved here. I'm not paying thousands of dollars to make my water colder. That's silly. Don't get me wrong. I love the desert. I think it's one of the most beautiful landscapes in the whole world, truly. But I also love to complain. So you're going to have to put up with it. There's just so many things to complain about out here. I can't help it. I can't. In actual problem news, people are still being targeted and murdered for their sexuality, even in our own country today. Yes, the USA. Our own country. Well, you might not be from the USA. I don't limit my podcast. If you are, I'm sorry. If you're not, maybe take me with you? I don't know. Depends on where you live. Some places are definitely worse. I know you guys love me and the show, obviously, but unfortunately, my list of cases to research and study just keeps growing, and that's not something I really want to see, but it's something that we need to see. Gotta look at it. I went back to a case that I've been waiting on some updates for that happened back in 2020, uh, right when Murders a Drag started when I was looking at modern, or not modern, but like cases that were current at the time. Um, this one, like last week's episode, 
was centered around Grindr, the gay-slash-bisexual dating app for men. I think? I don't know, maybe anybody can use Grindr. It's mostly used by gay and bisexual men, though. As convenient and blissfully ignorant as it would be to pretend that hate crimes against LGBT people are just a thing of the past, they really, really aren't. It's unfortunate that the mindset of everything is fixed and everything is fine is so popular, especially since same-sex marriage was legalized in 2016. That just sort of set off like the, well, that's all the gays wanted, right? There's And there's nobody else in the LGBT community. Those are all just different letters that mean gay man, right? <laughs> like, that's kind of where I feel like we're at. And that's unfortunate because there is a lot of work that needs to be done that is yet to be done. Unfortunately, that blissful ignorance is not even an option for lots of people, including people like Jose Isaias Escobar Menendez, beautiful long name. Jose was born December 28th, 1995 in Leesburg, Virginia. He was born into a very, very close-knit family who were like BFFs, always together, picnicking, family reunioning, barbecuing, housing, doing things together. They were a very close family. Jasu Escobar Menendez was born just a few years later, and Jose was ecstatic to be a big brother and took that role oh so seriously. They grew up in Winchester, Virginia, which is your typical southern small town, railroad running through it, that two-block-long downtown area that has, like, a Whataburger and a local cafe that serves kind of shitty burgers, but that you go to anyway because it's the only cafe on your main street. It's very much that kind of a town. Sorry, I'm describing more so. This one specifically had a flooring shop and some coffee joints that looked like they probably had stale pastries. So that's the vibe that you're picturing in your head. It's really pretty there, but can imagine it wasn't the best time for a gay person of color like Jose. Jose was a very protective person to his friends and family. He almost took on that big brother role in everything that he did, in his friendships, in his relationships, in his uh, family life. He was the big brother to everybody. He just really liked to be protective and automatically took on that role. Unfortunately, when Jose was a little bit older, his older sister Brenda Alzo struggled with cancer and then subsequent surgery and chemotherapy and she remembers how devoted Jose was to her and her child while she was going through that. Jose took that uncle role to his nephew very seriously, arguably more so than he did the big brother role, where he was like, I am going to fight to the death for this child. And he posted pictures with him and the baby, and he was very, very, very passionate about his daughter's kid. Like, he was so happy to be an uncle. You could tell that he was very much a nurturer and a baby around him or in his life would have obviously brought him the most amount of joy. Everybody that knew Jose or that was close to him in any aspect remarked on his famous smile. They said that catching just one glimpse of it could brighten up your whole day no matter what. Jose was raised around a lot of extended family, so he had love everywhere, all the time. Not any kind of shortage of love in his life. Jose's father reported that his son had a very loving personality himself and also got along with everyone. 
According to a piece written on Jose by the National Coalition for Anti-Violence, which is a really cool program that I recommend you look into. A friend of his who chose to remain anonymous said, quote, Jose was an amazing friend. He was always that person to hype you up. He just wanted everyone to have a good time. And if you see pictures of him, which if you're listening, you can check my Instagram. And if you're watching, look now. You can tell that he was that person to hype you up. He was the Olaf of the group. I'm referring to the snowman from Frozen. Again, if you're listening, there's a picture of it. So it makes more sense to people who are watching. Um, and if you're listening, check out Instagram. Because that's probably going to be the picture that I post. Okay, I'm deciding right now. That's going to be the picture that I post. Jose and this BFF of his seem to have the type of relationship where if anything at all happened in Jose's life, that he would tell her immediately. She had lots of posts with Jose and tagged him in lots of things on social media, whereas his family were a, a little less public and are a little less public, where there's not very many photos of them, there's not very much on his family, and if you look it up, it takes you mostly to articles regarding his case and circumstances rather than regarding, you know, biographical information. The story that I tell you every time, they never post anything good about the victim. They only ever post bad things. But there were no public obituaries or memorials like there usually would be, and I assume that's because this small town of Virginia, them being hoisted into the media the way that they were, I don't think they wanted that. Obviously nobody wants that. And for the reasons and all of the trauma that they went through, I don't think they wanted to put that any more public than it already had been. Jose's best friend initially took to Twitter to share information about the case, but then eventually also made her account private, where when I first found it in 2020 it was open, but now it's private, probably for the same reason, that all of that trauma and you have a bunch of people rushing in to ask you questions and interview and blah 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 blah, like, it's just a lot. So I understand where they're coming from, that's where the media needs to pick up a little bit better and do some more digging. Like me. Jose was a user of Grindr, like every other gay person in the world at one point or another. And I always saw Grindr that was something that was sort of like a safe alternative for gay people to date. Because the idea in my head is that straight folks have like, you know, the pick of the world. They can, a man can essentially compliment and start flirting with any woman that he wants to because like the normal air quotes is to be heterosexual so it's assumed that anybody around you at any given time is heterosexual and your flirt is free but for gay people it is or any lgbt person it's physically dangerous to flirt with someone because you never know how they're going to react what's going to happen you don't know that they're gay you don't know that they're whatever so grinder seemed like you know the safe alternative that gay people needed something of like a list of all the other gay people around so that they could date safely all that to say that grinder is something that gay people are doing and downloading and using to try to feel safe and not using it to lure and murder people because that's not the nature of who gay people are and what Grinder is for. That's what a psychopathic serial killer thinks when they use an app like Grinder. The more research I do, the more I realize that Grinder is not as niche as I might have imagined and that it's very 
widely publicly known to be the app that gay men and bisexual men use to meet other men on. So when it comes to psychopaths targeting gay people or wanting to target gay people, Grinder being a list of everybody is a, you know, double-sided that. Now it's dangerous, so can't have anything fucking fun. For instance, in Egypt, authorities are using Grinder to entrap and arrest gay men there, putting their lives in immediate danger, like red flag danger, code red. Grinder even released an emergency notification in Egypt informing folks there that Egyptian police were actively arresting gay, bi, and trans people, and after arresting them, were using fake counts and accounts of people who had already been arrested to find and trap and arrest other LGBT people. In an article on NBC News by Jay Valle and Matt Laviets, the LGBTQ folks who are captured end up charged with, quote, debauchery and prostitution. And the government has even started charging them with violating Egypt's telecommunications laws, which according to a Harvard Law School researcher by the name of Afsana, it would mean more and higher sentences and more number of charges and a higher likelihood of getting those sentences because cyber laws and telecommunication laws are so vague after the point of arrest, the combination of charges being used against folks is causing longer sentences and violent circumstances and just a bad situation altogether. Honestly, the whole debacle that's happening right now in Egypt probably deserves its own dedicated episode, but I just had to mention that while we're on the subject. It just blows my mind that an idea that surfaced around the want to be able to suck dick freely has backfired to something this intense all these years later. Jose was using Grinder up in Northern Virginia, where he met a person named Gavin Collins. In an article from the Luden Times by Evan Goodenow, Jose told a friend of his that he had driven out to Sterling, Virginia a few days earlier and had already met and slept with Gavin. Or the person claiming to be Gavin. The account that said it was Gavin. Jose said that everything went well enough that he wanted to go back and had plans to see him again and spend the night. It's sort of unclear based on the story in the article who Jose ended up hooking up with physically, but based on the two, and I'm really not trying to be judgy, but you tell me, based on the two, which one do you think it was? I'm gonna say it was Gavin's accomplice because Gavin is not somebody you would want to drive back and see again. Late night on July 7th, 2020, Jose tells his best friend that he's going back to see that guy he had told her about and heads out around midnight-ish based on the timeline. At 3.30 a.m., Jose is found lying in a pool of blood in the middle of a roadway, dead from a single gunshot wound. Initially, the police had nothing to go on except for the fact that they had an identity of the victim because his wallet was on him. So they contact Jose's loved ones and family and inform them, and they're obviously distraught and crushed and have little to no helpful information for them. Jose's best friend, however, tells them that Jose had informed her he was going to meet a man from a dating app, and also informed them that he should have had a 2019 Nissan Sentra with him, the car that he drove to go meet the guy. However, when he was found lying in the roadway, there were no vehicles around him, nothing belonging to him, or matching that description. So this gave police a little bit of a better idea that it was possibly a robbery or a carjacking or something. So they were getting somewhere, but they needed to get into Jose's phone and Grinder account. According to a statement from the Luden County Sheriff's Department, an individual named Handy Calindres was arrested and charged with grand larceny or auto theft. 
I assume that means Handy ends up being the person who buys the car. Uh, but I'll get into that a little bit more later. I assume this means that Handy knew somebody who could buy or was the one who bought the stolen car. Either way, Handy was caught first and was in custody and ready to talk about what happened. Authorities learned that Gavin Collins and Joshua Hunter, the accomplice mentioned earlier, had been sharing a grinder account to lure men and then rob them under the pretense of a hookup or a date. They also find messages in their grinder accounts and Gavin's they also find messages in the their grinder accounts and Jose's grinder account that coincide with each other and prove that that was the account that he went to go meet that night he was murdered. They find Gavin, his girlfriend, and Josh in a hotel room with a fuck ton of meth, mushrooms, and the same gun that had shot and killed Jose two days earlier. So two days after Jose is found in the middle of the roadway with nothing to go off of, three people are in custody for the murder. So this is one one case out of, I think, every other case that I've done so far where good police work was done. I want to give a shout-out where a shout-out is due, because this time, work was actually done. Who knows why? Maybe it's because it was on the news, maybe it's because of all the media surrounding it, but there was definitely some oomph behind this case, because it was solved in, like, two days, which is very impressive. So, Josh Hunter, this accomplice person, was a 22-year-old escort on Rent.Men, which is the sketchiest website I've ever heard of. Please do not ever use it or go to it. I'm sorry. Just don't. It sounds so scary. (laughs) And I don't recommend anybody ever use it, considering the type of person that comes off of it. But apparently that website, surprisingly enough, you can rent men off of and hire sex workers that do a multitude of things. According to a Queerty article by David Reddish, Josh's individual rent.men bio said, quote, currently serving the DMV area, which is Washington, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, DMV. People on the West Coast don't know that, apparently. Back into the quote. I love meeting new people and having relaxing and enjoyable meetings with great people. All of my photos and statistics are recent, up-to-date, and accurate. I'm a very open person with no hang-ups. I'm open to all genders, and I'm open to meeting with individuals, same-sex couples, and heterosexual couples. I'm also available for travel as well. He then offered massage, stripping, something called the boyfriend experience. Don't want that. And sex. He had a list of glowing reviews and people that said that they would want to use his services again. So I'm just mentioning this to caution everyone to be careful, because this person looked completely normal on this website, and apparently acted completely normal sometimes, but other times murdered people. So, just saying, look for the red flags. Because Josh was great at marketing himself, however, he did not mention that he was in the grips of a meth addiction, and the money that he was getting from rent men was going to drugs, and he was working with an accomplice to bait and rob gay men from Grindr. Now that obviously was not the case with Jose, because they met on Grindr, and Jose was a very young person who probably wouldn't be using a website like rent.men. He was just on regular Grindr. Gavin and Josh admitted to authorities that they'd been on a five-day meth bender when they found Jose's profile. Uh, I guess one of them had already seen him or been with him, or maybe 
both of them knew about the first occasion, it's hard to tell. You're getting your information from very unreliable sources, so. But they come across his profile and decide to rob him, steal his car, and sell it to a contact that they had in Prince William County. They ultimately sold the car for $500 to presumably Handy. I assume Handy Calindras is the contact in Prince William County who bought the car for 500 bucks. The night of Jose's murder, Jose arrived at the village at Potomac Falls apartment complex around 2 a.m., which was about 50 miles from his house, so a good long drive took him a while to get there. When Gavin and Josh arrive, they immediately confront him at gunpoint and try to rob him. Neighbors hear voices yelling and fighting back and forth for a few moments before hearing a single pop and then a car driving away. Later, another neighbor is the one to go out and find Jose's body lying there. So all of that for Jose's car and $500. According to Aluden Now articles by Norman Steyer, Josh ends up pleading guilty to a reduced charge on September 29th, 2022. He had been set to be charged with first-degree murder, street robbery with a gun, two counts of using a firearm in the commission of a felony, and a street robbery charge plain to top that all off. However, because I don't, I, don't, I don't love the way this works out, but the system is the system, he takes that plea deal and his reduced charge is voluntary manslaughter and robbery with a gun. So much lighter than that long list of first charges that would have him in prison for life. These carry like a max of 15 years. So not a ton that Josh is getting there. Gavin, on the other hand, pleads guilty to a charge of first-degree murder after Josh's testimony, a very convincing testimony because Josh is the sales guy of the century. He clears up that Gavin is the one to have actually physically pulled the trigger, which gets Gavin that hyped-up charge and leaves Josh with the plea deal lessen charges 15 years in jail. And after spending a few years rotting in a jail cell, Gavin finally gets to court and is sentenced to 75 years behind bars, making him 99 years old when he gets released. Yeah, no, I, don't, I also, we're thinking, trust me, we're thinking the same thing. Joshua, however, keeps getting his sentencing date pushed back because the legal system, he's a white twink, many things that could be going on, but... He looks absolutely awful, and prison has not been kind to him. So, good. Jose's family is still very confused and broken and frustrated. And according to a Luton Times article by Evan Goodenow, his father says that he thought he would start to heal with time, but that he still feels the same as the day he found out. He says, quote, My heart is not complete and goes on to express the frustrations that he has with the legal system in general, that Gavin was in trouble for drug possession a few years prior, but let out of prison, and then able to murder his son. So he kind of is going on the whole, like, if this, then this, then this kind of a mindset, which isn't great for the grieving process, but you can't blame the man. He said, quote, If the law didn't let him go, my son would be alive. I don't want to see him destroy another life or family. Just an all-around heartbreaking situation. Luckily, he won't see Gavin destroy another life or family because he will be in jail for literally ever. He's not getting out. 99 years? Come on. 
Jose's best friend still seems traumatized. Like I said, she made her accounts private, so I assume she got reached out to more than she wanted to. Um, but she seems to be doing better based on the private account. I can't really see. Uh, the profile picture is different than when I checked last time, so it's still being used, so that's good. I hope she's doing okay. Uh, yeah, this case was hard to read about, because it, it's just such $500. Nothing else, no other reason. $500 and drug addiction. Just terrible. That was this week's episode. The story of Jose Escobar Menendez. I hope you learned something, as always. I hope you take away more information about the victim than you do about the murderers, because that's never my intention here, and I think you know that by now. I hope you enjoyed staring at my pretty face, and if you haven't looked at the look yet because you're only listening, don't forget to head to Murders a Drag Instagram page. Yes, Instagram page, and give me a likey loo there. You can also go to the Facebook page, which completely disappeared so like everything from my original facebook page is gone and it's not a good feeling (laughs) because it's a lot of work to put all that shit back up there but i will i will and it's back now but there's just like not a whole lot on the page yet so let's focus on my instagram for now you go to that murders a drag instagram at murders a drag like my posts my other Instagram's tagged in the bio there, Aura Van Dank. You can find me over on that side of things, living my best life. And I hope to see you back in the same spot next week. Tell your friends. Bring a friend. Listen with a friend. Watch with a friend. Watch with your whole family. Hack into a movie theater and project one of these episodes up onto the theater screen. Take a video of it and send it to me. That's what I want to see from my loyal fan base this week. Thank you, and I will see you next week.